This week's episode is brought to you by the Communico Weekly Goat Line. Give us a call and leave us a message and we'll play it on our final show. It is 424-785-GOAT. Again, that's 424-785-4628. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And the season for me is is winding down. And it's we haven't talked about a single spooky thing yet this year. Well, I mean, there's time for that. <laughs> You're right, there is time, because next week is our Halloween episode. Yay! So, I always like it because it's such a great theme song. It is. It's probably, I think, my favorite of the theme songs. Mm-hmm. alternate theme songs yeah. it's a good yeah, one it's i like that one. one i like that one too but i mean there's lots of spooky stuff going around i mean there's every time you go to the store there's tons of pumpkin spice latte stuff that's, everywhere so that's very true there's a lot of pumpkin stuff everywhere especially lattes pumpkin yeah which spice is lattes. which is scary scary enough scary yeah, enough so. i suppose so but for <laughs> the history this week we're actually going to jump back in time a little bit so uh let's let's get to it it's time for disney So, like uh, we were just mentioning, we may be a little behind on this since uh, July 4th is long in the past, uh, but we wanted to talk about some of the places that you can celebrate your patriotic heritage throughout the Walt Disney World Resort. But uh, right now, we're going to start with the Magic Kingdom. Of course, Liberty Square is the perfect place to start. Yes, the entire Magic Kingdom has references to Walt's love of Americana, but Liberty Square specifically is the best place to celebrate the birth of America. As the plaque there says, Past this getaway stirs a new nation waiting to be born. Thirteen separate colonies have banded together to declare their independence from the bond of tyranny. And then the plaque continues, It is a time when silversmiths put away their tools and march to the drums of a revolution. A time when gentlemen planters leave their farms to become generals. A time when tradesmen leave the safety of home to become heroes. Welcome to Liberty Square. And though the Haunted Mansion may be, well, no, let's say it is the highlight of the area, the true heart of Liberty Square is the Hall of Presidents. Here you come face to face with every president that ever was, or... Well, at least the animatronic versions. And once you enter the grand colonial-style building, you'll feel as if you step back into the 1700s. Tour the Grand Rotunda, and you'll be treated to wonderful exhibits of artifacts and memorabilia from former presidents, as well as the First Ladies. The Great Seal on the floor is the Great Seal of the United States, one that Disney had to obtain special approval from Congress in order to use. Now, the show is a variation of a concept that Walt himself wanted to do called One Nation Under God. 
Walt originally wanted wax figures of all the US presidents, and then later decided to try to make them animated figures. But the technology that he wanted for this attraction did not exist or fully meet his desire yet. So while it was too much to do all the presidents at the time, they decided to just do Abraham Lincoln, which eventually turned into great moments with Mr. Lincoln, uh, the show from the 1964-1965 New York World's Fair, and then later at Disneyland. And the show itself was relatively unchanged from 1971 until 1993, minus the addition of the new presidents being added during that time. The show closed in early September 1993 for changes. These changes are credit to Eric Foner, a history professor at Columbia University. He was able to persuade various Disney executives, most notably then-Disney CEO Michael Eisner, that a new adaptation of the show was needed. So, Foner is responsible for completely rewriting and changing the script of the show in order to focus more on slavery and other ethical and civil rights related issues in the United States of America. And he's also responsible for rewriting Lincoln's speech, which was originally nearly identical to the one that Lincoln gave in the original version of Great Mo Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Another feature that was added in 1993 was a speech given by the sitting U.S. President. Foner is responsible for writing the speech which President Clinton himself recorded at the White House. Followed by the current U.S. President's speech, Abraham Lincoln would give the completely revised speech written by Foner. Uh, the Lincoln audio animatronic figure was also given eyeglasses and held a piece of paper to glance at uh, to and from during his speech. Some objected to this, saying that it dumbed down the depiction of Lincoln as a prominent and iconic figure. Though Morgan Freeman is the current narrator of the show, former narrators include J.D. Hall, Maya Angelou, and Disney staples Lawrence Dobkin and Paul Frees. Uh, the, the Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and Barack Obama figures are A100 model auto audio animatronic figures, uh, which are the line of the most advanced, lifelike, and expressive human figures that WDI has ever built. And outside the building, the tributes continue, such as the two lanterns in the window up above, a reference, of course, to Paul Revere's famous midnight ride in 1775. One if by land, two if by sea, three if by monorail? Sure, we can go with that. Okay, yeah. So the Liberty Bell is also in place in the central plaza here, surrounded by the flags of the 13 original colonies. There are also 13 lanterns hanging from a nearby tree to symbolize our humble beginning. This tree is the Liberty Tree, inspired by the one that stood near Boston Common, where the Sons of Liberty would often gather before the Boston Tea Party. So this tree in Liberty Square is a 100-year-old oak and actually was found in a remote corner of the Florida property years ago and transported to this area. A younger oak tree was grafted to its base to help reinforce it. And the lanterns themselves were inspired by the 1957 Disney film Johnny Tremaine, which includes a scene of Johnny and his friends singing Liberty Tree while hanging lanterns on a tree. Back to the Liberty Bell, while it may not be the real thing, it's the closest you can get to without heading to Philadelphia. This version was cast from the same mold as the original and is the only such replica in existence. And now there is an all-new show called The Great Moments in American History so you can learn some highlights from the Muppets. So moving on to Epcot, when you get to the American Adventure, the history tour continues. The show is a journey through the history of the United States hosted by Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain. And it takes place in a three-story colonial-style mansion inspired by Independence Hall, uh, Boston's Old State House, Monticello, and Colonial Williamsburg. And the building is comprised of uh, 110,000 Georgian clay bricks. 
And inside the building, there are also numerous artifacts and paintings, as well as famous quotes for uh, notable historical figures like Ayn Rand, Jane Addams, Charles Lindbergh, and of course, Walt Disney. There are also special exhibits like the American Heritage Gallery, featuring 400 years of African-American art. Uh, There's also a Hall of Flags, displaying some of the different flags thrown throughout our history. You can also catch a performance uh, from the Voices of Liberty, which are an amazing a cappella group that sings in the middle area. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is amplified perfectly by the dome ceiling. And outside, you can catch performances from the Spirit of America Fife and Drum Corps uh, as well. And sometimes they're accompanied by your favorite Disney characters. The uniforms that they wear are replicas of those worn by the 1st U.S. Infantry Regiment of 1812. And then there's Illumination, Epcot's fantastic nighttime show, which also includes a section on America's independence, especially more so during uh, the 4th of July celebrations at the resort. And like we said earlier, the American spirit is all over the Walt Disney World Resort, and it's easy to find if you just look. While this is just a small sampling of what you can see, there is plenty more. Be sure to check them out for yourself. Oh, and by the way, has anyone seen the Frank Underwood animatronic yet? Oh, not yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Uh, it's got to. I think he would be fantastic. I think he would, too. Would. I think he would also. Kevin Spacey is top-notch. Yeah, it would be great to have him in there. <clears throat> That's all we'll say. <laughs> Leave it at that. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is called Amusement Park Rides by Martin Easdown, and it was published in 2012. And uh, sometimes you run across a book that you're really excited about. I mean, come on, it's about amusement park rides, but it just doesn't turn into what you would like it to be. And the book that we're discussing this week is all about the development of different types of of amusement park rides, and I was really looking forward to something that would go fairly deep into the history of different types of flat rides and dark rides that you would find in carnivals and amusement parks. And well, the book does set out uh, what it, it does what it set out to do, but just not in the way that I wanted it to. And for someone who's really interested in the development of dark rides and flat rides within the scope of British amusement parks, then this really is the book for you. And the book, Amusement Park Rides, focuses heavily on the development of the different types of rides based on their introduction to British theme parks, as well as how they uh, evolved on that continent, you know, so to speak. And the inventions of the Americas are are not ignored. Uh, In fact, many of the rides uh, uh, about the book sort of discusses how they originated at American theme parks, such as Coney Islands, you know, their steeplechase in Luna Park, and how they were brought over to uh, England. So the book does go into decent detail about the origins of these different types of rides and how they helped bolster the amusement industry in England. The book is fairly short, which is one of its downfalls, and I just wish for it to be a little bit of a deeper history. There were plenty of photographs, but based on the size of the paperback, it's or book, it is a small paperback, the pictures themselves were rather small. And I would like to have seen a discussion about where the parks actually were, uh, since I really wasn't as familiar with some of the parks that began and died in the early part of the 19th century in England itself. And, you know, it just, the book was kind of dry and it wasn't very exciting. I mean, come on, for a book about amusement park rides, should have been exciting. 
But anyone with an interest in amusement parks in England, as well as the introduction of various dark and flat rides, is really going to enjoy this book, though. But to me, there just wasn't enough. And for most readers living in the United States, most of this will be rather foreign to them as well. I can't believe I wrote that. It wasn't supposed to be a pun. Um, still, it's a good research tool to have at uh, your disposal because there's not a lot written about amusement parks. And I'm glad it's a part of my collection. And, you know, take, check it out if you really want to get a deeper look at theme parks uh, in Britain, in England, to see sort of how they evolved and how they changed and some of the important players. So this week's book is Amusement Park Rides by Martin Easdown. Sometimes it's a one, sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break. So this week's bathroom is one of my favorites, mostly because it's somewhat undiscovered, um, hmm. sort of. So it's located in Dinoland, USA, in Animal Kingdom, and you'll find it near Chester and Hester's area. So if you go just past the Primeval World attraction, this bathroom almost seems to be backstage. But don't worry, you're not breaking any rules, you're not being Dark Side Disney. You've just kind of located a bathroom that's always clean and never full, really, because nobody ever goes there. It's also huge. I mean, it's ginormous. Um, I mean, they probably thought Dinoland was going to be this huge hit, so they made it gigantic, but in reality, there is never anyone in here. So it's perfect cor- a quick getaway to do your business in peace. Unfortunately, the downside is they mm. do have automatic flush toilets now, so you can't flush your own terms, but uh, it's still a pretty nice little private getaway, I guess, so uh, check it out sometime. Yeah, and is this one on the way out of Dinosaur towards Chester and Hester's? Uh, it's next, like it's by the gift sideway? shop. It's by the gift shop. Yes. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, this is a great one. This is a great one. Mm-hmm, so it's supposed mm-hmm. to be uh, nice and large and clean. But don't tell anyone. It's our secret. Shh, quiet, quiet. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So we're going to call this goat the, pl- uh, the ball of presidents because, you know, play on words are, are a good time, you know? So you know, in the past, we have talked about Imagineers reusing some of the molds of heads elsewhere in the parks. Um, and the Hall of Presidents is really no different. Many of the presidents in the Hall of Presidents could be seen in Spaceship Earth also, uh, which is kind of incredible. So they're all throughout history. So, for example, the Greek actor is actually William Henry Harrison, but with a beard. And the Roman soldier is actually uh, Zachary Taylor. And the Roman senator is Teddy Roosevelt. And then there's also the Islamic scholar leader, who is William Taft. And, you know, Dwight D. Eisenhower plays the lute uh, in a later scene. And the sculptor is Ulysses S. Grant. And they're everywhere. They're, there's like a whole list more, but this is just a small sampling of them. But this just shows the presidents are all multi-talented, it seems. They're just, you know, they can be presidents, and then they can also do other stuff throughout history. They must have that time machine from Bill and Ted. They must. They must. It's we'll the only explanation. Swamp boat technology. It's the, yeah, the only explanation. Only. But, you know, something that... The only <laughs> something that we are not copying is our weekly giveaway. Ooh, zing. Uh, nah, okay. okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Oh, 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 no. What I should have said is, you know what else is good for a president is, no, I was going to mm. say a presidential gift. No, okay. No, that's building <laughs> so, expectations too high. It is, it is. So, that's okay, though. That's okay. That's all right. Um, every week we have been giving away a prize for almost the past two years. Is our part of our year of a million or so limited time cadets 
prize giveaway. And in case you don't know, it's very easy to enter. Just email communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name and address so we can mail it to you. And uh, you can be part of the weekly prize giveaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this week's prize pack is a Communicor Weekly prize pack coming from, uh, actually coming from my office, actually. I have it already set up over here. And the winner is none other than Martha J. from Huntersville, North Carolina. Congratulations, Ooh. Martha. How far away from that is from you is, is that, oh, George? Oh, that's about an hour. Oh, okay. I see. That's not bad. No. So if it was coming from you, you could have actually hand-delivered it, but... Yeah, but know. I would have, like, forced her to meet me at Carowinds and given it to her then. And just because okay. any excuse for me to get to a theme park anywhere... Of course. Of course. ...is always good. Of course. Yeah. Well, it's okay, but it's always fun to get something from California. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, well, that means we've made it to the end of another episode. So thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another Communicore Weekly. Yeah, if you have a comment or you want to rate us on iTunes, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear from you. Yep, and you can always email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest or simply say, how you doing? Uh, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicoreweekly. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm at Imagineerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, give us a call on the Communicorically Goat line at 424-785-4628. And make sure to visit CommunicorWeekly.com and check on the Communa store where you can get some incredible shirts, and including the Fleshing on Your Own Terms. That one's still going strong. Mm-hmm. Hey. And if you want to get your official cadet membership card, which I just sent a whole bunch out more today, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And you can always visit patreon.com slash Weekly to find out how you can support the greatest online show. And for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Smiley nose.